Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 113 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I'm one of your hosts, my name is Bryna, with me as always is Gina. Hello. And this week, we are talking Chicago PD Season 4, Episode 14, called Seven Indictments. And the reason we're talking about this episode specifically this week is because Gina and I got to chat with Nick Wexler. And if you're not familiar with Nick Wexler, he played Rickston in six episodes of Chicago PD, and this is one of them. Um, and this was a big episode, I say big relatively, but big episode for Brixton's character because we get to little bit, learn a little bit more about him and his background. And yes, yeah, so we thought it would be a nice to pair a Brixton episode with Nick's interview. Gina, we're going to air the interview either after this, um, pair it with this episode or release it separately. But what did you think about Nick and that interview and how that went? It was really good. We love Nick. Um, he's just the nicest. And he's so much fun to talk to. Um, you know, he always gives, like, really honest answers. So we always get a good insight into the industry with him. And, you know, he'll always give us really good behind-the-scenes stuff as to, you know, his different experiences on the different shows. So um, it was good. We got a lot of good insight and a lot of good memories into his time on PD. Um, yeah, he, he said a lot of cool things. He, he loves LaRice, but we all do. I mean, you know. It's good. So, yeah. So, I guess let's just get right into the bulk of our episode. And as always, we'd like to start with the news. And we still have news keep coming, which is kind of surprising. It hasn't. We've gotten at least one news thing every week. So It's only going up from good. here. Yeah. And, and it's from Deadline, of all things. And it's positive. So, always a good sign. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, Take a drink. So, this. But actually, though. So... <laughs> This is, as I mentioned, from Deadline, and it says Dominic Reigns to recur on Chicago Med. Reigns will play Dr. Marcel Crockett, Chicago Med's newest ED doctor, who hails from Louisiana. He gambles, drinks, and parties all night, but hooks himself to an IV drip in the morning to slide into work like a true badass. So, basically, he's TC from the night shift. Basically. I mean, I really would have rather had my Night Shift Chicago Med crossover that you and I came up with. But, you know, whatever, NBC. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, Owen Mackin has moved on to other projects. But I have a couple thoughts on this. First off, Choi is going to hate him. Oh, my God. Hate him. Oh, yeah. Just everything about him. Choi is going to be like, just turn around, leave, go. I can't. (laughs) Also, okay. It's a weird name to pick, right? Marcel Crockett. Well, Davy Crockett. Well, yeah, I know, but like paging Dr. Crockett, that sounds a little odd. It just doesn't really roll off the tongue, to me at least. I don't know. I guess, I mean, my guess is like, 
Crockett, Louisiana. Maybe there's a popular name there. I don't know. Um, Crockett was famous for the Alamo, the Alamo, which happened right here in the great state of Texas. I don't know. My, I don't know my history. <laughs> you know, you know, they make you take Texas history in Texas. True story. Yeah, I mean, they made me take Virginia history in Virginia, and that's a whole slew of shit. Oh, they do? <laughs> Yeah, well, in my school, we did. Yeah, I don't think they make you in many, maybe not in public school, but we did, and I did not do well. Oh, I mean, I went to public school. We always thought that was just a weird us thing. We were just like, man, Texas, like, we just love ourselves so much that we just make you take our history. Well, I mean, in Virginia, so much of the formation of this country, like, happened in Virginia, and so many of the first, like, presidents are from Virginia, and, you know, the first settlements are in Virginia. So there's, like, a bunch of, like, the nation's history in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So in fourth grade, they made us take Virginia history, and I hated it with a burning passion. Yeah, we're not that cool. We were just part of Mexico once. Yeah. So shows how much I know. I don't know anything about Davy Crockett except that he wears that hat. Yeah, yeah, the coonskin hat. That's interesting that they made you take it in fourth grade. It was seventh grade here in Texas. Yeah, uh, uh, private school problems. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, again, still would have rather had like an actual night shift Chicago Med crossover, but this guy will do. In our dreams and our fanfics. But actually, though. So. Right. Also, uh, if you recognize Dominic Reigns, you probably watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, He was in season five. And what I read is that he was the main villain. Now, admittedly, I am way behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I feel like I've only seen through season four. Um, Please don't kill me, my wonderful friend, Melanie. But yeah, he was the villain on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You did better than me. I think I made it through a season and a half. Back in the day, I think. Maybe not even that much. I don't Season know. Season four is pretty fantastic with the framework. It's really, really good. Yeah, but the show as a whole, I can't believe it's still on. That's all I'm going to say. Seven's going to be the last season. Or six. I still can't believe it made it that long. <laughs> Whatever. It's a good show. Still- also, Fitzsimmons forever. Yeah, I, they weren't even together when I stopped watching, like, not even close when I stopped watching shows how much I know. They're precious. But, yeah, I think that's all for the news this week. Um, as always, if, oh, I mean, I guess I'll mention it here, but we have a Tee Public store. We're constantly putting out new designs and things, so make sure you check that out. Especially if you're going to CHE, because there's some awesome shirts and designs in there for couples like Stellaride and Manstead that you can totally rock in your photo ops. Yes. Yes. Also, speaking of CHE, they've added Jeff Hefner. So that's a cool ad. I'm excited to meet him, especially just to be like Clark deserved better. You know. Um, Yeah. So get your tickets. It's coming up soon. We're so excited. We can't wait to see everybody. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, and if you follow us on Twitter, I guess we'll just keep talking about it here because it's news. But we're working on a meetup that mm-hmm. Friday night beforehand. We're still trying to finalize the details of when and where. But once we have them, we will blast it out all over social media. And be sure to mention it on the pod. So just stay tuned for that. 
Yes. And I mean, we don't we don't care even if, if we've never met, if we've never interacted. Don't care if you see us say hi, no matter what. I mean, we we want to meet you. You know, let's let's talk. Let's interact. Yeah. So. But yeah, as always, if you have more news, send it to us. Um, otherwise, I think we can hop into this episode. Let's do it. So this episode starts out with Linstead at the gun range getting their recertification. And like TBH, I didn't realize how much I missed them until I was watching this. Right. It's always, I feel like, how it goes with Linstead, especially now that it's been a couple seasons removed, especially because like I really like Jay and Upton and I like very much want to see them get together in season seven. But, like, when I watch a scene like this and just see, like, kind of how flirty they are. And, like, the gun range is kind of one of their things. And I just, I see it and I'm like, they were so good. So good. The the worst thing for me has been the reruns that the local Fox affiliates will show. Because even if it's, like, the slightest hint of Linstead being in each other's orbit, I will, like, immediately screen grab it, send it to Bryna, yell in all caps, and just be like, they could have had it all, and she left him, and just, I'll never be over it. Yeah, that was you this weekend on Instagram. Um, They were showing 401, okay, what did you want me to do when Jay was like, I don't want you to come and go? I know. People come and go, whatever, what is the quote? Um, like, jobs come and go, sergeants come and go something else comes and goes and he's like i don't want you to come and go i don't want you to go yeah uh yeah no that's a tearjerker or some out for linstead i also just i don't think i remembered this specific gun range scene and like realizing now that the gun range was also one of their things i just i love it i love it love it love it um but yeah so the recertification guy ends up warning Aaron while she's there. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, Rickston's working in your unit now, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, watch your back. And she's like, what? But then, like, that's all she really gets out of him before Jay pulls her away. He's like, yo, we gotta go. Like, we got a case. Because, of course, that's all she gets is this on in this warning, like, watch your back. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. So they roll up to the scene of a burned-down house, and it's like burned like down to the ground um and then they like roll up and they point out that there's like an lgbt home next door which is not really important in the grand scheme like the house that house isn't burned down or anything but like it's important later on i also just really loved trying to see burgess explain lgbt to void and she's like yeah it stands for lesbian gay bi trans and void's like i know (laughs) <laughs> i mean Voight's not very with it he's not i, I well he's woke but i feel like he's woke like against his will he's woke because he kind of has to be because he's void yeah but it's just funny because she like explains and then he's like i know and she's like <laughs> um and of course always gonna have a 51 sighting so we match here to fill in us in on what's happening but i have okay something that crossed my mind during this episode why is it that like if mouch is there for an example like i mean i get why like act in real life because they can't have all of 51 crossover every episode Mm -hmm. but like in their world in chicago why isn't mouch with the rest of 51 i mean there's any reason for that right he could have been covering a shift 
Right. Which is, I'm, I'm sure, like, the actual reasoning. It's just, like, it's just one of those things where it's, like, mm, 99% of the time he would probably be with 51, but we can't have a full-blown crossover every week, so. I wish we could. I know. Dreams. In our dreams. I know. If you noticed, he was kind of, like, he was giving orders, too. He was, like, rounding up the troops and everything, so that was an interesting twist as well. But I think he was probably just, like, covering a shift. Yeah. That's my thoughts, but I just, like, I noticed it, too. I was like, oh. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um. So, basically, Mouse tells them that the gas hose was removed from the kitchen wall, so it kind of looks like this whole thing was an intentional. Um, and then... We shift over and Jay is filling Al and Kevin in on what the guy at the gun range mentioned to Lindsay. Which then leads Al to make an awkward comment to Rixton about the guys in the gang unit being proud of him for jumping to intelligence. But it's just like, Rickson's like, okay. Yeah, I get Like, yeah. Yeah, subtlety um, is not one of Al's strong points. No. Not at all. Nope. Um, also, I've now that we're thinking about, we've never talked about what is the hierarchy of this? Like, is intelligence, like, the highest you can go? One of the highest you can go? Like, what? Like, what is this ranking? I think that's what we are supposed to believe, is that intelligence is, like, the top of the mountain. Okay. So, like, above, I mean, obviously, I guess above gangs, above narcotics, above all of those units. Or I also get the vibe that, like, they're all supposed to be separate units on the same playing field, but everybody hates intelligence because intelligence thinks they're better than everybody. That's the other vibe I get. But I could be wrong. It just always makes it seem like intelligence is, like, a step up for everyone. Like, I'm even thinking back to, like, when Jay was introduced on fire, and I don't even know what unit he was in originally, but it's like, oh, I want intelligence. Like, intelligence is, like, the next step up in his career. Um... That's just the vibe I get, which is why that comment made me think about it again, being like, oh, yeah, the guys in the gang unit are proud of you because you jumped to intelligence. Was Jay in the gang unit? Was he? I feel like he was, but because that's like a piece of one Chicago trivia. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, I don't remember. But wasn't Voight also at one point in gangs? He wasn't in gangs, though, when he switched over, like when he got arrested, was he? I just feel like then that's a loophole because like everyone was technically in gangs at the same time. Like Rickson, Jay, uh, Voight, and that can't be the case. No, Antonio was in Vice, right? Who? Antonio. Oh, yeah, Antonio was in Vice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is important. Like, where was Aaron? I don't know. It's a great I think Aaron came right into the unit because remember. it was something like Jay and Aaron had some sort of like lovers quarrel in season one, and he was like, "I've been on the job longer than you," and she's like, "Well, I've been in this unit longer than you." Right. Yeah, and I guess Burgess and Atwater obviously technically went straight to the unit too after Patrol. Yeah, but just interesting. But yeah, great piece of trivia. Um. But yeah, so he makes this comment, and then, of course, Rickson's, like, digging through some rubble, and they find out that one of the guys that was burned in the fire is still alive. He is not dead, like we all once thought. He's pretty close to it, though. He's in bad shape. Yeah, he's not in good shape, but he's still technically alive. 
Anyway, so then we move over to the bullpen, and we're laying out the facts of this case. The tenant of the house is Dan Llewellyn. They didn't find a cell phone on the property or his body, so they're not really sure if the body was his, but they're trying to track Llewellyn's cell phone, and they can't. They can't, because they can't get a signal. And the second body is potentially a kid from the LGBT home, although the director of the LGBT home says that their kids are accounted for. And the building owner is Fred Teague, who is also conveniently downstairs, of course, because that always is the way it works. Touch on how like the beauty of this episode is in the details. Like this is such a fact heavy, detail laden episode. Oh, my God. There's so much. And if you like look away for like two seconds, you miss something. Yeah. Like, we've technically seen this episode before because, obviously, we all saw season four. But, like, even doing that, like, I think I had to watch this episode three times just to, like, fully get it. Yeah, and it's there's not a ton of other stuff going on where you can just be like, oh, haha, look at that funny thing. It's No, every single moment of this episode is wrapped up in the case. Even the B story comes over at one point. Right, because I at one point had the two storylines separated in our outline, and then I was like, oh, shit, I forgot that there was that twist in the B storyline, so JK can't even have them separated, because they're all intertwined, and there's so many right turns that it's just like, wait, okay, wait, huh? I thought we were going this way. Nope, we're going this way. Like, it's just like, whoa. This is one of, like, the twisty-turniest episodes of PD ever. Yeah. But, so this building owner is downstairs, of course, because duh. But before we go talk to him, we get this locker room meeting, powwow, whatever, with Halstead, Lindsay, and Atwater. Which, I didn't realize that I love this trio so much, but I love this trio. I don't know. I love this trio. Yeah, it's a great trio. So basically, they're all talking, and... Jay's like, I heard from a guy that I trust that indictments are being handed down to the guys in Rickston's old unit. And everyone's like, wait, what? And Jay's like, yeah. And they're, you know, talking about the whole situation. And something I just thought was, you know, interesting is Atwater says, he's like, I figure if his old unit is bent, then, like, what kind of cop is he? So they're really starting to question, like, oh, shit, like, how much do we actually know about Rickston? What kind of guy is he? Who is he, just first of all? And, like, what kind of cop does that make him? Like, what is his background? You know, how does that affect the cop he is now? And it kind of almost, like, ties into Ruzik's whole code of ethics from this last season. How we were like, why is he refusing to let Antonio own up to what he did? These are kind of similar situations because Outwater is like, well, if he rolled, I mean, what does that say about him? You know, not that... I don't know. They're they're kind of similar situations, right? Like that, you know, you're supposed to just always have your fellow cops back. Yeah, for sure. Um, It took me a second. I was like, I don't see where you're going here, but I got got your point. I got got what you're trying to say. It works Um, in my head. (laughs) No, it does. It took me a second because you were like, it's kind of like Rustic and what he went through last season. I was like, wait, Rustic? I got you. I got you, though. (laughs) Um... So Lindsay basically ends it and she's like, like I'm going to call Antonio because if anyone knows about indictments coming down, it's him. Because remember, he's on justice right now. He's not in intelligence. Oof. Sad face. Sad face. I know. I know. So this Fred guy, the homeowner, comes to the district and basically says that he and the tenant, Dan Llewellyn, had a bad relationship and that Dan was a pain in his ass. 
Um, he wanted to break his lease and move in with his girlfriend. Um, but even though Fred's alibi checks out, Boyd's still a little suspicious, you know, like, oh, you had a nice relationship. Like, of course you probably killed him. Yeah. But that's Voight's thinking uh, right now. I always, like, I'm curious how Voight, like, functions in this world, right? Like, it's, he's got to be so jaded by his job and just, like, all the things that have happened to him in his life that, like, I don't know. These are, like, deep introspective questions for Jason Begay at Con that I'm just thinking out loud right now. Because I'm just, like, I've wondered that before, that I'm, like, does Voight see any good in the world at all? I feel like it's probably kind of hard i mean i feel like a lot of that has to do with camille and camille's death and and everything after that too i mean camille and the horror the atrocities he sees on the job every day justin you know the grandbaby moved away lindsay's gone i just you know it's a snowball ow yeah ow all the things yeah Yeah. but i think i mean it started with camille and camille's death Mm -hmm. is my guess i don't know i could be wrong but um yeah so then we move over to this B storyline, which is Platt's fooling with this homeless guy who, according to that B cop, who I don't think we ever got his name, and I don't remember who he is. Is he someone we're supposed to know? I don't think he is. I didn't need to cross-check the credits on IMDb because for a minute I wondered if he was the cop from that episode when Ruzik and the other guy got stopped in the car. Um, the really powerful one from last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just made it seem like, I don't think we really got his name, but they obviously made him seem like they focused on him. So, like, they kind of made it seem like he was, like, a big deal. I mean, big deal in quotes, but, like, a big deal or, like, someone we were supposed to know. And I Mm -hmm. admittedly haven't really gone back and watched season four in a long time. Yeah. Um, And I don't really know if ever. Um, So, I think, I just, I had no idea if that was something I was supposed to know or not. Right. I, like, couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. And so, Platt's dealing with this homeless guy who, according to this beat cop, is ranting and raving about his missing dog. So, Platt, of course, goes outside to see. And, you know, she's trying to calm the homeless guy down. And she offers to bring him inside and listen to him. When she, like, puts his ha- her hand on, like, his side... Like, goes around to, like, put her arm around his back and, like, put, like, like, rest her hand on his side. And she gets pricked by something. And as it turns out, it's a needle. This is so one of those moments where if this show were on FX, like, she totally would have dropped some horribly bad words. Like, when she gets pricked and she's like, I could just hear her being like, what are you, a fucking rookie? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... And yeah, that's something they don't really do that often. But I was kind of surprised just like a random note, like to hear even Jay say like son of a bitch earlier in this episode. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I always die a little bit of the inside when they when they are able to sneak asshole into an episode. I'm always just like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot they can say that. Yeah, like which I, I think it was just because it said son of a bitch. I was like, oh, right. You I guess technically can say that, but they just never go there. I was right. just anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's a needle and she of course is freaking out because she's needle. afraid. Yeah, needle. Duh. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm gonna go to med and get this handled because duh. <laughs> and so that's that. 
We then go back to Rixton and Atwater go to med to visit the other guy who's barely alive, the one that they found under the rubble, Kyle Harvey. And while they're waiting for Rhodes to come down and, you know, fill them in on the situation, Atwater straight up asks Rixton about the situation with this old unit. And he's trying to make light of the situation. And so Rixton even jokes, he's like, you're not an active cop, so you've got to beef on you. But it, like, doesn't really go anywhere. (laughs) Um just kind of awkward and funny and whatever but then Rhodes comes down and breaks the news that Kyle was basically dead when he got to bed so there was nothing they could do which is sad and Atwater were such a good duo but I feel so guilty when I say that because I feel like just saying like I loved Rixton and Atwater together it's like I'm also saying you know Ruzik and Atwater, whatever, which is so not true. I just loved both duos. We also hadn't had Ruzik and Atwater up until this point. Oh, that's true. We hadn't. We had Atwater and Antonio. Antonio. Yeah, and yeah, Adam and Al. Yeah. So we, I mean, because Atwater and Ruzik isn't until season five. So don't feel guilty. Wow, that feels so... I don't know, it feels like we've had them a lot longer. Yeah, but we... Technically, we have not. Which is just weird to think about. But yeah, it does feel like we've had them forever. Yeah. I mean, they were they were still friends, obviously. Because um, remember, TBT, Atwater was supposed to plan Rusik's bachelor party. But... <sighs> um, and be his best man. But... They haven't technically been partners until season five. Pour some out for Berzik. Oh, we'll get to them. <laughs> we will get to them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Rhodes breaks the news and the manager of the LGBT home just hap- next door happens to overhear. Um, well, she shows up and overhears and she basically fills them in and says that Kyle was one of theirs, but he was just released two weeks ago. Um, he had had his mother had died and then he had had a bad relationship with his father and tried to kill himself, so he went to the home. But he had been working on repairing his relationship with his dad, so they released him because they thought things were going well. Um, she also said Dan Llewellyn was really great with the kids and would often like stand up for them, and he particularly stood up to them when he got into a fight with one guy a couple weeks before this, this guy named Harlan Betts. Um, Gina, you want to take over for a little bit? Sure, sure. So back in the bullpen... Jay just straight up asks Voight, just straight up. This always makes me a little uncomfortable, Jay's ability to do this, to just be like, let's just address the elephant in the room. And he straight up is like, so what's going on with Rixton? And Voight's like, yeah, you need to focus on the case. And Jay's just like, I can do both. I always get so uncomfortable when he does that. But um, Jay's like, yeah, well, I'd like to know who has my back. And Voight just plays it off. And he's like, "Mm, I'd imagine Kenny would like to know who has his as well. So Aaron and Jay question Betts. Turns out he's just a big homophobe. Um, And he even laughs when he hears that Llewellyn's house burned down with him in it. He starts laughing and he's just like, oh, karma's a bitch. What? Fucking asshole. Total asshole. Fucking asshole. This is also the episode. This is also the episode where we get the gif where Jay's just like lose the smile or I'll lose it for you. I love it. Great gif. I know. Great. Um, and so 
Burgess calls them out of the room because it turns out Dan Llewellyn is alive. Like, what is this episode with the twists and turns? It's this nuts. is just one of this is one of the. This is one of those moments where I wanted to be like, I wish I had a piano so I could be like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and this is only like the first or second act. Like, we're not even halfway through the episode at this point. We're like, what? Like, there's he's alive? so much that happens. Like, like we've been saying, there's so much that happens. And like, every now and then I would look at like the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, we have to be like 30 minutes in right now. And we're like minute 15. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? This episode is crazy. Crazy, And I just, the fact that, like, the writers were able to break story on this and figure this episode out in a matter of days, I'm like, what? That's insane no. that you were able to weave such a complicated story together in such a short amount of time. Yeah, mind-blowing. Oh, totally mind-blowing. It just goes back to what we were saying, that the writers have a hard job. It's a hard, hard job. But yeah, so Voight questions Dan. And apparently Dan had reached out to a buddy of his named Corey to see if he could help find a subletter, but denies anything else. So if you're drawing a web to, like, keep track of who's who in this episode, if you've already lost track by now. It'll break your mind. Yeah, it'll it'll break your mind. mind. Also, same. Like, I lost track a while ago. So Kenny finally approaches Voight. You know, he's like, there's mumblings about what went down the gang unit. Kind of want to come clean. And Voight tells him to keep his head down. Which, like, I understand why, but it also seems like Voight's just making things more difficult just for the sake of it. I know. It's like he wanted to test his unit because he's Voight. But, like, dude, like, why are we doing this? Right. Like, you're you're getting on Jay's case and being like, you guys need to focus on the case because that's what's more important. Meanwhile, you're testing your unit, which is, like, not focusing on the case. Yeah. It just, ugh. Which loops back into my whole question of why Voight thinks he's above the law. But just kidding. Yeah. So Antonio stops by because remember, this is when he's on justice. And this is actually really cute because, you know, he's just kind of messing with Aaron and he gives her the lowdown. He's like, you know, the holding with the gang unit sealed up tight. Seven indictments are coming down on an eight man unit. Uh, And, you know, Aaron wants more details. Antonio can't give it. So, you know, she's just like, well, you miss us, though, right? And he turns around. And he's like, yeah, I cry myself to sleep every night. And he gives her just the cutest little kiss on the forehead. It's just super cute. Underrated friendship, those two. I know. I I love this. And I'm just like, Antonio, you should have never left. should have no, never I left. You think if he had left for justice that he would be exiting going into this new season? Um, I think it depends on what they still, like, what they, if they did the same things with Antonio's character. I think if they did, then yes. Um, I think if they continue to have him be, like, Voight's number two and, like, a strong character, then probably not. It's crazy. So crazy. We gotta figure out a way to will Rixton back into this universe. Mostly because intelligence is understaffed. I know, we need bodies. I I mean, hey, Nick said he would love to come back. Nick did say he would love to come back. Yep. Be sure to listen to our interview at the end of this episode or in a separate episode. We haven't decided yet. But, yeah. (laughs) So back at Med, April is helping Platt. She basically says that the homeless guy has confirmed hepatitis C. They're going to check for HIV. Platt's just like, well, that escalated quickly. Not what I was planning. Yeah. So Rixton and Atwater go see Corey, the real estate friend of Dan's. I, this is the yoga teacher, right? 
Yeah, the yoga teacher. Okay, because again, these details are crazy and I've already lost track of who's who. I'm just like, bad guy number one, bad guy number two. Like, it's nuts. So Corey showed a guy named Bill Johns the place yesterday, like the, the place that he was subletting, but he doesn't have any contact information. Like, Chicago is just so old school when it comes to this stuff because like you realize how everything is like oh i got a guy or like oh i communicated with them this way oh we did cash only whatever like chicago's so old school it really is though like really is it's just like dude like come on pa- now paper trail come on paper right. trail um he also said that bill john said that he loved the red door on the home which like major brooke davis vibes but okay <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So um, Bill probably saw where Corey put the key back under the planner. So Burgess and Al go visit the medical examiner. And it turns out that the victim was shot before he was burned. Uh, the tattoos and birthmarks are gone, but he had a wedding ring and a watch. There's also kind of an awkward moment where the Emmy is like, hey, congratulations on intelligence, Burgess. Are you still engaged to that nice blonde guy up there? Awkward pause. Total awkward pause. So they were able to, they're able to trace the watch back to the person who bought it. Her name's Jane Framingham, which is, okay. So yeah, she bought it for $12,000. Apparently she thought her husband was traveling on business, but it looks like he's a big fat lying liar who lies because... She's in Chicago. Or he's in Chicago. Um, not only is he in Chicago, but there's no Kurt Framingham anywhere in the U.S. No. Nope. There is, however, a Kurt Forrester, and he was arrested back in 2010 for a Ponzi scheme. Of course he was. Right? Right? Yeah. Because of course he was. So Rickston offers to call his guy at the Fed for more information, and Jay just kind of ices him, which is just like, that's not, we don't usually see the shade from Jay. I mean, we'll see it, but like not towards anybody else in his unit, which was just a whole, No, it leads to a whole shit show about office gossip. Yeah, just a whole thing. Oh, it's such a whole thing. And that's where he's, like, threatening to transfer people. And it's just like, really? Wait, really? Like, now you're not even focusing on the case. Now you're just, like, being dramatic. Just stop. Right. Which is ironic because he, the thing he keeps telling them, he's like, yo, break it up. Let's focus on the case. Like, we're not talking about the two people in the case. And I want, I'm going to transfer you. But, like, you're kind of doing the same thing. He also kind of, like, pulled the pin on the grenade and, like, tossed it and ran, right? When he was just like, oh, hey, look, seven indictments. I'm not saying anything. Wee! (laughs) Yeah. I mean, exactly. He definitely did. But, like, I don't know. It's just void. Why can't we come clean? Just void things. things. Yeah. He's just so mysterious to me. I'm just like, wait, why do you do things? Why? Why do you do the things you do? Yes. Why Why, why do you do void things? Why? I yeah. really, really need to talk to Jason McGay at con. Like, I just want to talk to him and just be like, please tell me all of the things. Like, let's get in Void's head. It sounds yeah, like dangerous. Deal. I feel like that's a place I probably don't want to be walking around in his Void's head, but I still want to know things. Yeah, why would you want to walk a mile in void shoes well i just have questions and it's like 
I don't know. I literally just want to sit Jason down and be like, is Hank happy? Like, have a therapy session. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just just feels I will never get over. I don't know. So, meanwhile, the beat cop tells Platt that he arrested Marvin. And Platt's just like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? He's a homeless man in February. He's freezing. Why would you do that? And then he's like, well, by arresting him, we can run a mandatory blood draw and then compare it to the test results at med. And Platt's just like, oh, smart. So it turns out that Jupiter is not the dog. Jupiter is a person. And Jupiter took his dog, Rosie, and that Rosie is red. Details. So many details. So the gun that was used to shoot Kurt was registered to a Roxanne Cabrera. So they go and pay her a visit. Again, we're just layering on the people. Just so many people, so many details. Plot twist, though. Her gun is missing. Her brother was a self-admitted gang gang member. And she's engaged to Bill Johns. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. And at this point, they've kind of figured out that, like, Bill Johns is probably Kurt and probably the alias that Kurt's using since he already technically was using an alias because he once was Kurt Forrester, then he was Kurt Framingham, and so they were like, oh, yeah, he's got to be Bill Johns, too. So, so that's if, why that's important. And yeah, and if you've lost track of it by now, like, so have we, so it's okay. It's okay. It's wild, y'all. So crazy, yeah. So... The brother, yeah, they booked the brother and he swears he's changed and they found the gun. So Voight says they're booking him for murder. And like, I do kind of feel for this guy because Voight just immediately assumes that he did it. And it's like, we're booking you. It's like, what? No, he was just in class, like minding his own business. Yeah, they just, again, Voight and his assumptions, he just assumes. For real, though. I know, I know. So, yeah, um, April calls. The test is negative. There was only insulin found in the needle. And Platt hears a dog barking outside, which, like, best sound ever, right? Um, It's Rosie. And so Marvin keeps mumbling about how Jupiter always wanted to go and see the home with the big red door. And they call him Jupiter because he was the biggest of all the planets, and this guy is tall. So major plot twist. Our guy and his dog are part of the A story. Yeah, I definitely did not remember that at all. This episode is nuts. Like, legit nuts. Legit nuts, yes. Legit nuts. Brenda, will you take over? Yeah, I'll finish it out. So, basically, based on the intel from Marvin, they are able to confirm that the guy in the building that they found, the body that they found, the other one in addition to Kyle, was this guy, Jupiter. Um, And so, they're like, okay, and it's got to be Kurt Framingham that shot him, so we're going after Kurt. So they end up tracking Kurt down to a motel not that far outside the city, so they go after him. But of course, when they go in, they not only find him there, but his wife, like his legit wife, the one that we all thought he was cheating on with, or cheating on her with the uh, other girl, like legit found her with him. So she was in on it the whole time. Pissed. Yeah. Because the girl had come, she had even come back to the district to see Aaron and was, like, upset about the whole thing. But apparently that was all part of their master plan, so. Jeez. Yeah. But so they obviously arrest them. And when Lindsay goes into the room, the interrogation room, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Can't find my words tonight. Interrogation room to talk to the woman. 
she like basically spills out the whole details about who Jupiter is. And Jupiter is his real name is Leon Tremaine. He was a boxer who got a lot of brain damage from fighting and ended up t- that turned him homeless. Um, and he had like gone MIA from his daughter. His daughter had been looking for him. He like traveled to Chicago from Indiana and he had just reconnected with his daughter who had been looking for him for 10 years. Um, and that's who Kurt put bullet into. It's just so sad. I, I mean, I, I want to be able to appreciate and be like, whoa, like, that's crazy. What an ending. But by that point, I'm just like, I'm sorry, who shot who? Yeah, I know. Well, and it's also just one of those things, too. It's like, why did he shoot him? Oh, we never got the why, did we? No, like, we get the reason. We get from Marvin that I guess Kurt, like, took him took Jupiter to the door with the red house but why did he shoot him and like why did he take them there like, like there's so many things that we still didn't get mm-hmm. yeah and I'm just like okay so why does this matter right I mean it, it's sad like it's sad that this guy's life you know he turned homeless because he had so much brain damage that he wasn't the same person anymore like that part is really sad and that part actually got to me but like why? Like, why otherwise? Like, what? What did this matter? Right. So yeah, we never got the why. So basically, it, it's it's very unsatisfying in that way because, like you said, like we don't get that um, after all those twists and turns. But yeah. So back in the bullpen, Jay ends up apologizing to Rick Stin in front of everyone because he's like, you know, I was the ringleader of this whole thing and I, you know, not cool. It wasn't cool to me. And this is the moment of all moments where Boyd decides to come clean about the whole thing. And basically what happened with the indictments is that the sister of one of the gang, the gang member, no, one of the sisters of the gang units. Yeah. The sister of one of the guys in the gang unit. Yeah. That was beat up after she turned a guy in for whatever reason assuming sexual assault and and so the entire gang unit decided to go after him but Rickson wasn't with them that night Mm -hmm. so of course that's why they end up getting the seven indictments not and he didn't get one um and he was even at one point approached by IAD to you know talk about the whole thing and turn on them but he turned down that deal and never ended up saying a word and Boyd's like, yeah, that that's it. And I basically didn't want to tell you guys because I wanted to see if you guys would treat him better than you his other his former colleagues did. We'll put it that way. Dance puppets, dance. Yeah. And Lindsay's like, how'd we do? And Rickson just kind of shakes it off, but like, girl, you did horrible. Uh, yeah, but I mean, wait, I, I don't necessarily agree with th- the lack of transparency. But again, there are many reasons why I could not work for Voight, and that is one of them. I mean, I don't know, especially if their whole reason, like going back to that scene where Jay's like, I just want to know who has my back. Like, if that is truly the reason, then why can't they say anything? Like, if it's just kind of, like, bullshit, we, like, we want to know. We want to pry into everyone's personal lives. I get why Voight's, like, all secretive. But if Jay's reason is, I mean, if everyone's reason is, like, we just want to know who has our backs because that is the most important, like, 
having trust in the people around you on this job is the most important thing, then why didn't Voight just tell them? See, but I'm I'm not a fan of Voight's leadership style here, how he's like, what I say goes and you shouldn't question that ever. Like, I don't know. There's There's a couple of different aspects of that that I have a problem with. I mean, granted, I'm not equipped to work in the intelligence unit by any way, shape, or form. Like, not at all. But I don't know. Just... The lack of transparency is a lot, and I don't like how he just expects everybody to blindly follow him, especially knowing that, like, you know, he's been in trouble in the past. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is, like, okay, fine. I get, like, if you wanted to tell Rickson to keep it a secret, like, in the beginning, because he wasn't really sure about sharing all that information with, like, people he wasn't familiar with. Okay, fine. That's what's advice to him. Like, if Rickson tells you it comes to you and it's like, hey, I want to come clean, like, okay, then it should have been, like, okay, if you're comfortable with that, then sure. Yeah. But whatever. Not my problem. (laughs) So, the last scene, it kind of out of, it's, like, kind of out of the blue in regards to this episode. It's not out of the blue once you see the episode following. Out of the blue in the best way, though. Yeah, so Kim walks out to her car after this long shift, and she sees Ruzek. He's back, baby. Um, and basically, he comes clean to her, and he's like, I ran from intelligence because I wasn't ready to work side by side with you, um, but that's a stupid-ass reason. And, you know, he asks if she'd be okay with him coming back. And she's like, of course, like, you know, I'd love that. And they basically end up hugging and end up making out right there in front of the district as the episode fades to black. Yeah, okay. They have no feelings left for each other. They've moved on. Okay. I believe that. I literally forgot that was this episode. When So when I got to that part, I like texted you and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I, like, I, I was. Yeah, I forgot that this was this. And then that's literally the last Berserk moment we've pretty much gotten since then. One, yeah. The last, like, one of them, like, being romantic. Let's put it that way. I know. Anytime Patty or Marina is like, yeah, they've moved on. I just, like, want to unfurl a scroll of, like, Berserk moments since the breakup and be like, yeah? Yeah, well, what about this, 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 and this? Like, what about this moment when they made out? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh. And, like, you always expect, like, as soon as you would see that, you would expect, like, the next episode to start with, like, them in bed together. But, like, it doesn't, and it's just super depressing. Yeah, the one time we actually wanted it to start that way, it didn't. And the one time we absolutely didn't, it did. Cough, cough, Upton, and Ruzik. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. 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 But, yeah, that is seven indictments. Um, It's just so crazy to think back on the time where Rickson was with the unit because he does seem to fit in just very well with this um and it's also just really interesting to think too from a couple of different perspectives because I was thinking about this before we talked to Nick too about how this is like Nick's not Nick's last episode on PD but the next to last episode Mm -hmm. uh but this is the episode where you really get to learn his character um, so that was something I learned more about his character and obviously his backstory a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was just an interesting choice that like the episode before he leaves, that's when you give us the most information about him. I'm like, okay, way to get like semi attached and then like just kind of drop him. But okay. Right. Right. But then, and, yeah. 
But then I was thinking it was really interesting because in our interview with Nick, which again, you will either hear at the end of this, so in just a few minutes, or in a separate episode, we're not still sure yet, but (laughs) I thought it was interesting where he said that, like, he kind of felt like the writers just kind of started with a sketch of Rickson and Mm -hmm. didn't really maybe have an idea what they really wanted to get out of that character. And so, like, it took them, you know, four episodes to kind of start to flesh Rickson out, and then they just dropped him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't drop him. It wasn't like a Clark or a Newhouse level on fire where they literally just drop him and we never see him again. But, like, still, they just dropped him. Right. So, I don't know. That was just something I thought was interesting. It's like you start to actually flesh him out, and then you're like, okay, yeah, and Rusick's coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, I still want Rusick to come back, of course, but, like, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was just interesting to hear that, like, what I thought before we even talked to Nick, like, Nick kind of confirmed in some way. And I was like, okay, (laughs) that makes so much more sense. And, yeah, so as always, that is the episode. But we've been teasing this interview with Nick. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Nick Wexler. So why don't we start with, so for our fans who may only know you, you from Chicago BD, like, how did you get involved in acting originally? Oh, my God. Um, well, so, yeah, for people who have only known me through that, they wouldn't know that I've I've said this, like, <laughs> before. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I saw a play in high school, and I thought it was, like, by the way, I don't know if it, 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 it <laughs> Are people going to hear my voice? I'm pretty sure. Yes. This is a yeah. Podcast, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I want to explain in case that early part is not uh, included. I was just doing pull-ups before. <laughs> before this. <laughs> this is when my I sound so winded. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I did. Uh, I I went and saw a play in high school. I think it was like my sophomore year of high school or something, and I just didn't think it was very good. <laughs> And I saw everybody, like, like afterwards, everybody took, like, bows, and it felt kind of smug to me. Like, it probably wasn't. It was pro- but, like, I, I think I had an overactive, um, like, arrogance meter. And, and so it just read as smug to me. I was like, you weren't that fucking good. I could do that, and I'm not even an actor. Like, I could do that better than you, and I'm not even an actor. And that's literally what got me started acting, was seeing, like, a play and being like, what? Why are you, like, bowing? Like, and everybody's applauding. Like, so you know these are your parents you're getting a standing ovation from. Like, these are, <laughs> this is, it's not, it's a very easy audience. So, I don't know. I just, I think it was, it was partly that, and then I've always just, like, wanted, I don't know, I was just wanted to make my friends laugh and that was the easiest way was getting up on stage and holding them captive so did you ever end up doing theater then yeah the next year i think it was the next year i i uh, joined drama awesome that's so cool and and then my my uh my high school drama teacher um miss tippett uh who i'm still good friends with she um she was just like wonderful and supportive and I can still kind of remember like her she was just really positive. It's something that 
you don't get as much of um, as you as you get older. You know, like it was it was a real uh, like yes and attitude. It was like yeah. yeah, do that, but even more. Just keep going. Just keep going. Um, and she would light up when she'd see you soaring, you know, or when she'd see you like coming out of your shell or, you know, like when you did more at her in encouragement or encouraging, you'd get, um, <laughs> there's just, I don't know, she'd just light up. It was, it was really, um, lovely. I feel like some people that I've encountered since and even, like just most of my friends have stories of, you know, encountering acting teachers and stuff in their later life who it felt like kind of wanted them to continue needing them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they wouldn't necessarily encourage them. It's like, they'd say, no, no, I want you to, I want you to fly. I want you to fly. But then they'd, they'd like quietly clip their wings and, they, and it, it felt like, they still wanted um, to have that, I don't know, a, a kind of power. Like they, they can't, a lot of them can't help themselves. Yeah. Um, the, 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 it's hard to resist the temptation to, because um, you, you recognize your t- the tremendous influence in this person's life and like they need your approval to feel good about themselves and shit. And I just, I don't know, my high school drama teacher did not, behave that way. <laughs> I mean, she was a high school drama teacher, so she, her, her job was, I think, to be more encouraging, but she, but it was it was beautiful and useful for me at the time, especially. Interesting. So, yeah, so then what made you take the leap from, like, high school theater and just kind of doing it as, like, a hobby or something you were interested in to, like, making it your full-time career? Uh, well, let's see. I think... Um, oh, so there was this crazy piece of shit acting coach lady um, that I uh, that I studied with briefly, um, who I met at my high school. Um, one morning, they had like you know these announcements, and they're like, "If you're interested in acting or whatever, like being part of this like traveling troupe of performers, like." go to this room at lunch and I went and met this lady. Um, and, uh, you know, like I feel like 15% of what she taught was, was useful. Um, and, uh, but the rest was, was like damaging and really, it just came with so much, um, control and, you know, she, she was, she was one of those people who couldn't help herself, you know, um, like saw the opportunity to, to have, um, sway in a person's life or to be needed or whatever. Um, and she just, I don't know, she kind of latched on. I think like, and then she like, I don't know, it was a crazy thing. There's a whole story that I won't go into here, but, um, she's not a good person. <laughs> um, and uh she she but the good thing that came from it was that she was encouraged she she got me my agent that i was with for like 20 years i think um until she retired um 
and that agent got me, you know, pretty much every job that you'd know me from. Um, right. Uh, and, and, uh, Chicago BD, I think might've come just after she, uh, after she quit. But anyway, um, uh, so she got me my agent and she got me, she like convinced me to move to LA and give acting a shot professionally. So those are like the best things I got from her. Um, yeah. Otherwise it was like kind of cra- It was like a crazy story. Wow. So wow. speaking of Chicago PD, yeah. which you alluded to there. So we, we've actually heard this story at ATX festival and it's a good one, but do you remember your audition process for Rixton and what it was like? Do, do I remember my audition process, you said? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so basically, I, I had um, I had auditioned for, for another Dick Wolf show. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a new sort of role that had um, come available on, uh, that, that they were looking to cast on um, Law & Order SVU. And, uh, and they just, I don't know, I sent the self tape in and it, it, you know, like they liked it and, and wanted to meet with me and, and they were awesome. And I was like interested. I just, I was scared cause I'd never <laughs> lived in New York and, you know, I still have this like childish fear of like uprooting and whatever, but I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, cause this is a, this is a, I like the show and, you know, um, and, uh, and I don't know. Anyway, there, it also meant a lot to me that they kind of, you know, were considering me for it. And, um, so I, I, I wanted to do it. And then, uh, and then they said, um, if this role, they basically said, here's the deal. If this role we have to do some rewrites. Uh, if this role stays the same, the role is yours. If it changes, like if we have to make them older or a different ethnicity or something, um, then it might, you know, like we might not be able to cast you. Um, and in the rewrite, I'm, at least I heard the role got shelved indefinitely. So then just, you know, nothing came of it. Um, and then I can't remember how much later, but it felt like just a few months or something. Um, maybe not even that, uh, this, I I got an offer for this arc on Chicago PD. And I think it's because it came up shortly after and I had already been through the sort of approval process, right? you know, like on, on a Dick Wolf property, um, and uh, and I think casting um, thought of of me for it. I think and uh, his support's actually really really uh, meant a lot. That was that was really um, pretty pretty lovely because um, you know it, it's, a, it's a weird business. It's hard. Like it it, it has a very short memory, and you need people to like champion you i guess like yeah and kind of track you and your uh, success or, or something like you need people who believe in you 
um, to kind of keep you in mind. And uh, and he did that, and that that was um, that, that was big because that was because I mean I've said this before, but I haven't said it on this podcast yet. That that was one of my favorite. That was like I think quite easily my favorite like experience on a set where it I was just joining a show already in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've had other experiences that I loved maybe even more where I just was part of the show from the beginning and I loved it more because of that, because I was, we were growing together and we were getting really close and stuff on this. I just sort of fell right in with everyone. It was like the easiest transition. It was like, they were so lovely and so welcoming. And, uh, and, and I just like felt comfortable right away. And, it was, it was, I loved working on that show because of it. That's awesome to hear. So going back though, to like when you first got the role, like when they came to you and said, hey, you know, look, we might get you this arc on PD. Like, were you familiar with the shows? And just like in general, like what do you think of this idea of like a shared universe on this scale with like three different shows all intertwining with each other? I was amazingly zoning out for one second at the beginning of that question. <laughs> About something else in my life, so please repeat it because um, I heard the last part, but I want I want I want you to repeat. Yeah, just like <laughs> no, just like were you familiar? Like when they came to you and offered you the role on PD, like were you familiar with this show? And just like I said, like what do you think of an idea of a shared universe on this scale with all three shows intertwining? I think it's an awesome idea to to have um, show like I, I mean I don't that I know of there aren't other shows doing that other than like um the dc shows on uh on cw but um but there aren't many shows like like where it's like these all take place in the same universe and they can all cross over yeah um and i'm also happy to report even though i you know i'm fond of all the other shows as well pd is my my favorite um, like to, to me, it's the, the, like, I don't know. I think it's got the most grit mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that's why, um, like I, I was especially happy to be a part of, of that one. No, no, I hadn't, um, watched whole eps. I hate to say before, um, before being a part of it, uh, mm-hmm. If that's not a uh, <laughs> testament to anything except the fact that I pretty much exclusively watched Forensic Files for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I sort of only recently um, started like watching things on other platforms, <laughs> Netflix and shit. Because um, at the time I just had cable and I was watching, I, I just left it on <laughs> It's just awful. <laughs> I just left it on HLN, and so I would just see like fucking people murdering people and getting away with it, and then getting busted later, and then Nancy Grace. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. So I was like totally, and still, I'm kind of out of touch with what's going on um, in sort of pop culture. <laughs> I'm like vaguely aware. I like know what people are watching. I just 
haven't seen any of it. Like I've never seen Game of Thrones or anything. So anyway, that was sort of like that was me with Chicago PD. I just I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm aware of it. Um, and the cast looks great, and blah, blah, you know, and uh, and then I watched some eps gearing up for uh, for it when I when I got it, mm-hmm. and uh, and was really impressed with everybody. And um, I remember when I first met Jason, uh, I, I told him that I had recently watched. This, you know, it was like there was a scene, one scene in particular in like last night's episode or last week's episode or something. I can't remember the timing when I got cast, how long before that the uh, the last episode aired. But I was like, yeah, and there was this moment, and I told him that he was like, he seemed kind of like touched by that, and uh, and I think that sort of like began this like fond. I don't know, like like we we just were very fond of each other. Nice, nice. Um, Jason. So did you know from the moment you were hired that it was only six episodes or did you know that it could be extended or what? I can't remember if it, if it was always only going to be six or if it was like five and then they added one or something like that. Like, nice. but, but I did know going in, it was just going to be an arc. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and we sort of fulfilled that. Um, and, uh, you know, Patty was out for a little bit and uh, and came back um, and, and like, and I mean, there's, you know, they, they handle it at the end of the app, uh, my last step, like, like, kind of true to the way it, it happened. Like, it's like, you're back, have it. I was just keeping it warm for you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, yeah. Yeah. And so you talked about a little bit about how, obviously, aside from, I guess, a recurring role, like this was like your favorite show to be a part of and like your favorite set to be on. I'm just curious, like, what was the atmosphere like on set while you were there? Well, it was like, <laughs> so I have uh, most of my scenes in the, in the beginning, like were were with. Uh, LaRoyce mm-hmm. and LaRoyce is is sort of like impi- I mean in my estimation impossible to dislike and and I feel like he just like I don't know it's interesting there's there's something about like he, he first of all he took <laughs> I think like pity on me like being the new guy who didn't have any way into this group, he just did not hesitate to, to like ask for my number and invite me out. And, um, you know, he knew we were going to be having these scenes together and he just took care of me. He just like brought me into the fold right away. And he's so, I mean, they're all like, like Patty's so beloved, like, like everybody, you know, they all got along and, and it's like, they, but you know, LaRoyce is just like yeah, he's beloved there, and so um, I think him kind of taking me under his wing. Um, it, it it was it was like yeah, I don't know, it was like being introduced to ev- everyone by like everyone's favorite teddy bear or something. I don't know, like he just <laughs> he was he was just like 
I don't know, having him vouch and then and just kind of bring me into the fold, even though like everybody was lovely anyway. Right. Like, there was no like, but I I think there's something about having Royce take me in. It was just my, you know, estimation of it. But um, he he really he really just made made a little effort. Um, and uh, and so we would hang out outside of the show a little bit here and there, and and. Uh, it was, it, it made a big difference. Like, um, to, you know, just us, like we got to know each other a bit and, um, it, it brought me into the fold with everybody else pretty quickly. And there was a, there was a, um, a, a crew member and Coral, um, who I'm still friends with, who actually lives in LA now, but, um, who <laughs> like they reference in their Instagram stories sometimes, <laughs> Like they bust her chops, um, or you're used to when she was working on the show. Um, and Coral just had a, a kind of like, I don't know, she's like not, not impressed with you just because, you know, like, it's like, yeah, so you're an actor. I don't care. Like, she would still like bust your balls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it actually put me at ease a lot faster. Um, I, th- I think her kind of like I think, I think when people observe these invisible social rules it just serves to make people like uncomfortable for longer like it whereas when people are like I know I'm supposed to ignore you because like you're one of the actors or something and I'm supposed to like pretend there's a line between me and you but mm-hmm. that's stupid and I'm just going to bust your balls like I would one of my friends. And then it just sort of like, like I was able to bust her balls right back and we fell right into a, a an easy little uh, um, playful routine. And I think people got to see like uh, a light side of me pretty quickly, which I don't otherwise expose when I'm shy, when I'm, when I'm new, because I'm kind of shy in the beginning. So mm-hmm. anyway, I think... She and Leroy's, uh, uh, I mean, again, everybody else was, whoa, like everybody, right. everybody took me in. Um, mm-hmm. But those are the first two that I think made me comfortable to where I felt like um, I could be myself around everybody else. So, cool. Yeah. And so, so speaking, oh, go, go ahead, Brennan. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of crew members, I remember you telling us at ATX last year that a lot of what you learned from Looch you took with you to your role on Shades of Blue, and I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and, like, specifically how it helped you on that show. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret that Looch is, like, uh, Brian Looch is the, he's their technical advisor. Um, I mean, he's one of many, but but he's... The guy. Like, I think they're yeah. pri- the pri- they're primary, um, and he's he's so beloved, and he's so um, like he's he's just got an infectious, uh, uh, fun kind of personality and and laugh, and he's a he's a good time. Like he was one of the first people involved in production that I met with because they kind of had to when I got the job, they kind of had to like, it's like, okay, you have your fitting and then we're going to take you to meet Luch. And, um, and 
he just kind of gave me the lowdown um, on the cast, on the set, on the, you know, whatever. And, and he's another person who like doesn't treat you like you're a stranger. Mm-hmm. He, he's busting your balls right away. He's making you laugh. He's in, and, and he just puts you at ease right away. And he, um, and then he walks, you know, they need to get you thinking, um, and like a cop as much as possible as quickly as possible because you don't have long to, um, to work on it before you shoot. So, um, that's why they wanted to pair me up with him quick. And he, uh, and he walked me through some of these things so that you can kind of like practice it in the next couple of days or whatever. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's just, he's, he's keeping him honest over there. Uh, and, and he's, I think he's kind of like, like he's just an invaluable um, addition to that, to that set, you know? Um, so yeah, it, like, like, and going, so he kind of gave me a little, little training um, and then to, to kind of gear up and then on set would he and the other technical advisors would kind of tweak if they saw things that they're like, mm, it's not quite, how it works or that's not the way we do it or whatever. Um, they'll, they'll come up and kind of as needed, you know, maintain your, um, your cop performance, mm-hmm. um, mannerisms and whatever else, you know, um, things like if you're right handed, you open doors with your left hand, even though you're right handed huh. because you should always have your, your, Hand, the, the you know whichever hand you are handed um you you should have that hand ready to draw your weapon oh interesting so so yeah so it's stuff like, like little things like that um uh they they'll kind of plant those seeds in your head to get you thinking of them and try to try, try to kind of keep you honest about that stuff to to um uh, you know, make, make it feel as authentic as possible. So, um, those things, it, it, it was nice. Like when I had to play, um, uh, a cop on, on shade of blue, I didn't, I don't, I don't actually think that anybody walked me. Like, I don't think they had anyone advising me. I don't remember now. I, I, I don't want to insult production because maybe they did and I just like I just don't remember it um or maybe they were a little more hands-off with me because they saw I was already doing it a bit I don't know I don't know but um but I I didn't it wasn't it didn't feel like the, at the moment I landed they were like we got to get you with our technical advisor so that you can learn to be a cop um like it like they did on Chicago PD you know and um and so thank God I had that with Luch already for, I can't remember how many months I was there, but yeah, I was in Chicago working for a few months. Um, and, uh, and that really got me used to this, this thing. Like some of it became kind of natural. So I didn't feel as um, uncomfortable with the cop stuff uh, as I did in the beginning on Chicago PD. Um, so yeah, kind of learned to trust that I 
but I knew some of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. Lucha's voice was in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so you've now played a cop on three different shows, Revenge, PD, Shades of Blue, of course. And so is that just an honest-to-God coincidence, or do you gravitate towards the law enforcement roles? How does that quite work? It's, uh, I think it's just a coincidence. I mean, it, it, like some of it's probably not coincidence. Some of it is probably that... Um, the the more I'm seen in a certain light, the more likely it is that I'll be cast as that again. Because, mm-hmm. um, look, uh, uh, Chicago PD is on NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so is Shades of Blue. You know what I mean? So it's like people at NBC... Um, like uh, people that I had to go through the approval process with um, had already seen me play a detective or whatever, a cop on um, uh, Chicago PD um, or or not a detective, but like a a police officer in the intelligence unit um, on Chicago PD. And they, and I believe my character was, if, if memory serves a, um, police officer in the intelligence unit in the NYPD. Yep, he was um, on uh, <laughs> on Shades of Blue. Yeah, so it's it's like some of these. Th- it, it's like it's such a straight line from one thing to the other that it's like if it's the same network and same people that approved you, it in some cases it's just like oh that's kind of an easy approval. Like we already saw him do it, <laughs> so we know he can. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so this was a follow-up from a Twitter user named the Granlith. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but oh, yeah, the Granlith. This is a Roswell reference. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So, okay. <laughs> so it. They said, if acting was your profession, would you consider a career in law enforcement? And then, do you think Kyle Valenti would have as well? <laughs> um. I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a long time since I've, like, thought about Roswell stuff, so I don't even, like, remember <laughs> much about about um, where my character ended up. Uh, I think he left, um, like, with the aliens or something. Yeah, but, he did. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm not... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, look, it's... I worked with uh, the wonderful um, David Nutter, uh, who directed the Roswell pilot and all other amazing pilots. Um, but he, and he's since gone on to, you know, do tons of Game of Thrones and stuff. But um, he cast me as another cop, actually, in a um, in the the pilot for. Sarah Connor Chronicles. I have a tiny role. It was just something he just like threw my way, and and it was kind. Of, I, I think in in his mind it was like a little reference to the fact that you know it's like now there's another Sheriff Valenti kind of thing. Like it's like you play uh-huh. a cop. I mean, you, you play the son of a cop on uh, on that and. You're a little older. What if you're a cop in this? Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I would, I, yeah, sure. I mean, there's no reason that, that, uh, Kyle wouldn't, wouldn't have some interest in that unless, uh, his fucking alien powers <laughs> or whatever he had at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let him, let him down another path, you know, but, um, but I think the idea of protecting people and uh, uh, is 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 beautiful and uh, and maybe um, I, I think especially because by the end at least um, Kyle was not a morally corrupt person. Um, he would uh, and and neither with his with his father if he followed in his father's footsteps, um, that would be actually like, he'd be one of the good ones, you know? Um, uh, but no, I would never want to be a cop. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm too, um, I don't know. Like it's, 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 it's brave of them to to do it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. That's the idea would like, like even I was offered a ride along. Maybe I'm not supposed to be saying that, but um, uh, in uh, you know somewhere along the way in in my cop training or not training, it's just a few days of prep. But um, but I I was kind of like oh, I don't know if I want to <laughs> like. I don't think I do. I don't think I want to do that because uh, I don't want to. I don't want anything to go wrong. <laughs> um, so if I'm not even willing to do a a ride along when I don't have any duties, I don't have to get out of the car. Um, then uh, yeah, no, I'd probably make a miserable cop. <laughs> So you alluded to it earlier that you're just starting to watch. I believe you said Netflix and shit. I watched the same. Um, what yeah. what what are you watching? Because we we always talk to you every summer, but it's never you know what are you watching right now? It's always how are you? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what are you watching? Well, look, I, what's fucked up is I'm still totally out of touch with what's out there because I mostly watch documentaries. Okay. Like documentaries and docu series. So like I'm watch like I'm just started watching The Family. Which is a docu series about? Um, uh, I think there's a quote in the, from the first step where this woman says, "It's a breathtaking enmeshment of church and state." Enmeshment? I think that's what she says, it's and a that's huge word. enmeshment. Yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the uh, uh, that's basically what it's about. Um, it's essentially there's a, a Christian. Um, uh, cult, probably, um, that, that that is sort of has tremendous influence in the U.S. government. Oh, so yeah, and it's it's. I mean, I've only seen a couple ups so far, but it's fascinating. Okay, I'm, I'm googling it right now. I'm like, oh, what 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 is this? Have you watched Bringing Down the yeah. House, the one about the the congresswoman? Uh. About the congresswoman, you said? Yeah, yeah. I don't think... Maybe it's not called Br- yes. building, Bringing Down the House, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yes. I think... Yes, I think... Yes, I have. It's great. Been meaning to watch that one. Cool. It, it yeah. made me appreciate the... Uh, What's-her-name especially even more. OC. AOC? Mm-hmm. AOC, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, cool, cool. That's awesome. So we have a couple questions from fans on Twitter. We have a lot of questions this- from fans on Twitter. They were so excited when we said that you were coming on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so this one is from Kat and she says having been on two shows Revenge and PD where the cast being together on social media is a big thing do you find it has a different effect on your working relationships than say earlier shows like Roswell that had a level of anonymity in your interactions it's an interesting question I, I, don't, I don't think it has um because technically, you know, you can live tweet from, like, you don't have to be together. Some casts do. And, in fact, we would, on, on Revenge, um, and I think a, a, they even made me a part of it, um, of their hanging out, live tweeting uh, sessions once or twice on Chicago PD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, sometimes the casts get together to do it. Um, like, or physically in the same room and watch the show and tweet at the same time. But I can technically live tweet it while I'm at home, you know? Um, So, like, alone. (laughs) And so it's... That experience is, is, is not necessarily more bonding. Um, uh, But... So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's not that much that much different. I, I think it's just it's mostly about the bonding is mostly about your your time on and offset. And um, yeah, you know, if if you're doing a lot of those live tweeting sessions together, if you're getting together to to hang out and watch the show together, then that can be part of the bonding. But um, and I think we did that for a, a period in the beginning, um, but then we fell off. <laughs> I fell out of the habit because we were like, well, uh, we already love each other and we're already, we're, you know, we're stuck with each other and not in a bad way. Yeah. That's good. What yeah. about the, what about the aspect though of social media where like people nowadays, I think kind of expect all the actors from a certain show, whether it's PD or whatever else, like to be hanging out with cast members and like seeing it on social media versus like obviously with revenge, like, or, with Roswell, there was obviously no social media, so nobody knew about when you guys were hanging out or not offset. Like, what about that? Like, do you think there's like a pressure that like you have to kind of post on social media because you want to be engaged with the fans and they want to see you hanging out with your fellow actors from that show? Well, I'm, I'm a bad one to ask because as you may know, um, I only have a handful of posts on Instagram <laughs> and most of them are like, concerts that I went to because I was like I cannot imagine that anyone gives a shit about like what I do in my life like when I'm not acting and I'm not even sure they should so <laughs> like it, it, it's I don't know it's weird it's a weird thing to me to like wake up and be like I should tell my fans what I'm thinking or what I'm like, like it's, it's, it's weird. Or like I should show them what I'm eating or, you know, I went swimming today. I should show them. That's, it's just so fucking weird to me to get up, wake up and assume those people give a shit. Like, so I, I don't, I don't do it much. Like 
I only do it, I mostly do it to make myself laugh or, um, or I try to use it in other ways responsibly. If I, if I, if I think there's some news that people need to see, or Mm -hmm. if I think there's a, there's a band I like and I'm like, people should hear this band, you know, um, or a friend's project that I want to help, um, you know, just it, it, with with the the small uh, number of followers that I have, like I just want to be like, hey, my people, take take a look at this, you know. Um, so I'm I'm not a great one to ask because I don't fucking know. Like, I, I don't fe- I don't feel that I don't put that pressure on myself uh, to like. Like it's funny, like I. Colin Hanks, who was on Roswell, like he and I, you know, we, we saw each other at ATX mm-hmm. this uh, this this last ATX, and it was the first time we'd seen each other in like almost twenty years. Wow! And that was insane to me, and to him as well. And he posted like he's like, dude, we got to take a picture, and I was like. Oh fuck! You're right. Like I probably should be doing that. Like, because I, cause I, and I just, and I, but that's what I'm saying. It's like it doesn't. And, and by the way, when I say all that stuff I said earlier, that's not me. I'm not giving to him or anyone else who 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 uses it. Shit! I just don't. I, it's like it doesn't occur to me because I think a lot of it is like an insecurity. It's just this like no, no, nobody would want. Like I don't fucking throw birthday parties for myself because I'm like, nah, nobody would want to celebrate me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't want to fucking have a party and then have like no one show up, like find out the hard way that nobody loves me. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, you know, so it's like, I think there's just like an insecurity that tells me like, like nobody would care. And then there's this like curmudgeonly like fucking Luddite that's like, I don't think they should. <laughs> So it's weird. I, I, but like when Colin posted the photo, I was like, oh, that's how I should probably be using this. Like, <laughs> like people who, you know, like people who follow me, a lot of them would, would get a kick out of that because it's like, holy shit, that's the first time in 20 years, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't feel much pressure to use it um, for, for that for that purpose. That's good, though. Social media can be, it's great, but then there's other days where it's kind of a wasteland and you're just like, why do I do this to myself? Yeah, it also reminds me that there's a quote from uh, Fight Club, which is, things you own end up owning you. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the, the, the routine of, like, I, I think the, the, like, needing the... I don't know, like buying into this dynamic where it's like, uh, I'm supposed to fucking make people like, like posts by me. I'm supposed to do that. Like I worry about that. I don't know. Look, I mean, I'm going to go off on a quick little tangent, but I think like life was hard enough before we had like people compared themselves to other people. Um, already before 
we had social media, but we have, but now with social media, we're always like, everybody is projecting an image of themselves that isn't necessarily true, which is what people were doing before with their nice cars and lawns and whatever else. But it was, you saw less of their, 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 you know, like the way they view themselves or the way they want people to view them. You saw like, you didn't get a peek as many peaks behind the curtain supposedly. Cause it's, it's, that's the weird thing. It's like, it's like a peek behind the curtain and, but it's still posed. It's still curated. It's like, yeah. and so it, I think it makes everyone who's feeling lonely or sad or like whatever, like, they look at everyone else and it seems like everyone else is a lot. It it starts to feel like, I guess it's just me. I guess it's just me who's lonely. I guess it's just me who's like sad or, um, and and I think it's just making like, it's like exacerbating depressive tendencies. I think it exacerbates like, (laughs) like loneliness and, um, it's weird. I, I don't know that it's a good thing that like to, to, to fall into a habit of, of like needing everyone to like a thing that you, an, an image you put out there or whatever. And then comparing yourself to other people's carefully curated, like um, projections of themselves. It's weird. So anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, I mean, there's, and it's worth it's worth recognizing that you know, as great as social media can be, there certainly is a dark side. And so, on a much, much, much lighter note, um, one of our listeners, Samuel, <laughs> and a lot of other listeners as well, this was kind of the number one question: um, Would you ever come back to Chicago PD? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've <laughs> I I loved working on that. Um, it was. My time in Chicago PD was, as I mentioned earlier, like one of my favorite experiences of my career, but especially like, I, I would say that it's, it, it was, as I think I said earlier, hands down my favorite uh, experience on a show that was already going like it, mm-hmm. you know, where I was just a guest. Um, I felt so welcome and I felt, that, like so comfortable. Um, I, I, I usually feel so insecure, uh, on a, on a set, like, especially if it's, you know, been going for a while and I'm just kind of, I'm just a guest. I, f- I feel like I'm, I don't know, like, like, I, I can't, I like right as I may be finding my footing, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know? Um, this was, was, was different. Um, the cast just, they get along great. They're lovely people. Um, like every one of those people, I I was like, yeah, guys are all, all wonderful. (laughs) Like I, I, um, I don't even like write them all often, but I have like such fond, um, memories and 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 like 
have such you know I just have a, a place in my heart for every one of them they were they were all so good to me um so yes like it was a beautiful experience and I I really liked the character even though I like I think it was kind of um I don't even know if they knew exactly what they were like looking for from him I think it was it was like he was a little bit of a sketch at first is my impression I don't I don't want to insult them because maybe they were like no fuck you we knew exactly what we were doing <laughs> um but but it, but it, it, he just felt a little loose and and like it was like kind of up to me to kind of um and um and i just had ideas that i i don't even think i told anyone there i think i told coral actually about like ideas about sort of like kind of just behind who like what made him the way he was or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, and that, that, a lot of that stuff, um, I don't know. I, 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 I just kind of like, like I was, one thing was like, I always, I always wanted him. <laughs> and I never explained this to wardrobe. So they probably were like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Um, but, I wanted him to pretty much always be wearing his jacket um, mm-hmm. because so when he shows up, he shows up like seeming um, I don't know, it's like everybody's like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> you know? And, and like he, he I basically, I notice this thing in my own life because I tend to wherever I go, like I'm fine. I wear my jacket. Like I'll sit down at a dinner and I'll still be wearing my jacket and people will be like, what the fuck? Are you going to stay a while? Like take your jacket off. And I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't notice cause I felt fine, but apparently it makes other people uncomfortable when I, when I leave my jacket on. <laughs> and I, I, so I wanted this character to have that I wanted other people to like I wanted the other characters to be looking at I wanted it to be one of the things that made like even just subconsciously made people go like what the fuck is this guy's deal (laughs) like I wanted it to to be that he like never got comfortable A that he's always ready to go and B like never quite gets comfortable and and there's like and it makes it like unnerves other people um and it's just a subtle little thing but like it was like a, uh, it was just the thing that I was like you know I just wanted to be in the jacket all the time I, I never yeah and I don't think I explained it to wardrobe or and to their credit they didn't like fight me on it or anything it was like okay you know um but like little things like that and even the fact that they didn't fight me on it the fact that nobody was like take your jacket off dude the fact that they kind of gave me this leeway and just trusted me like it was just a, an all around positive experience I loved playing him um and uh you know cast crew I loved the crew I lo- like the writers the directors the producing director. I mean everybody was so so great um so yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, I would gladly go back. 
anytime, anytime they want. Okay, I've got to admit, Nick, like going back to the jacket thing, I've got to admit, okay, so this past ATX, I, I did notice that you were wearing your jacket on the patio one night, only because it's like 95 degrees in Austin. How are you comfortable in that jacket in Texas heat? Well, so sometimes I wear, <laughs> uh, I wear the jacket because um, I know I'm going to be photographed. Oh, and okay. I, like I'm wa- walking, walking a red carpet, and I there's some, and I'm wearing a t-shirt. Otherwise, you know what I mean. Like there's something, I I, I feel like I, I don't know. I'm just like, am I gonna look like frumpy and shitty, especially as like an associate of the festival, <laughs> um, if. I'm just in a t-shirt and you can see my disgusting pit stains. <laughs> okay. So okay, that's fair. I'm, so I, I wear a, a jacket in part to kind of like dress up the t-shirt. Um, but, uh, also, um, it doesn't bother me until I'm like pouring sweat down my back. Then I notice it. And then I'm like, Oh, so I'm take this fucking jacket off. But like, I feel okay. It's just that it makes other people, it like freaks other people out. And, and I'm like, okay, like, sorry, I can change this or whatever. <laughs> it really bothers you, but it doesn't bother me. So yeah, it's funny. You know, that's, that, that was one of the thoughts behind having that character, like always having Kenny, uh, Rick's always wear his jacket. Yeah, the only reason I spotted it this time is because that last Saturday that we were all on the patio, there was no breeze, no nothing. And like we would have to go inside for a little spurts because it was just so hot out, even though it was nighttime. So we were like, you know, I just noticed I was like, well, if I'm dying, how's yeah. he doing in that jacket? Jeez. I know, I know. Well, listen, if I were wearing like a nicer shirt or something, then I might not be wearing a jacket. But I just, it's like, I didn't want to bring anything that I had to iron. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like, no, fuck it. I'm bringing a t-shirt. And, but then I feel like if I were just an attendee, that'd be fine. But if I mm-hmm. have to walk the red carpet, then I'm like, I probably should have dressed up. But since I'm, I don't particularly like having to dress up, <laughs> then I better dress up this t-shirt. Yeah. And yeah. And I didn't even think of that, that like your ATX festival is a lot different than ours. Cause I mean, we'll see you in passing, but you know, you're doing a lot of different stuff than we are. So do you get to enjoy the panels or screenings or anything? Or are you just constantly working? Uh, I, I'm moving around a lot. I mean, I, I did this year go to more than I have in the past, I think. Okay. Um, That's cool. So yeah, like, and, and it was, it was great. I mean, you know, I still missed a couple things that I set my sights on. Um, but that was just cause it was like, I, I want, it's a bummer. Cause like so much of what I get from the festival is, um, the, I don't know. It's, it's the joy of like hanging out with everyone. And, and like, I sometimes, I think I've said this before, but I feel like, my job is is more like um, the emotional version of those guys who like hand water to runners. <laughs> 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 it's, 
I feel like that's 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 my job at the festival. It's like, it's like keep going. You're doing great. I'm here. Yeah, let me know if you need anything. Like, and and just trying to buoy spirits and just give people hugs and make them feel seen and appreciated and take time to get to know attendees and volunteers and you know um so yeah like that that's my like that's been my experience with the festival every year and so when i go to a panel i don't get to like i, I feel like i'm like weirdly like not doing my job mm-hmm. um but but also like i'm there's something i i miss and it's not like a because I need to be loved, you know, it's not even that it's like, I'll be honest. I remember on, on Roswell, there were days when we were leave, like the, you know, we'd see like we'd arrive and there'd be in, and, and we used to shoot in West Covina in, in uh, Los Angeles and the, there, um, and we'd arrive on set or at base camp and there'd be some, fans like kind of waiting for many hours um just to get an autograph or to meet you know and they wanted to meet you know jason and sherry and katie and brenda like the the, the people highest on the call sheet they, they cared more about meeting them they didn't care as much about meeting me i'm not, a, I'm not i wasn't as big a part of the show um i mean i was one of the main peeps, but I wasn't, you know, like, I, I think I was, uh, whatever. So I, I basically, <laughs> they would, like, at the end of the day, I think sometimes Jason, Cheery, um, and this is no slight to them, I, I don't know what was going through their heads. I think sometimes they just would come, they, they would have a long day and just wouldn't, they, they, it might not be on their radar or they, or if it was, they, they just thought, I can't, I can't, I don't want to have to go over there and do that right now. I just want to go home. Um, but I would come back as we were coming back from set, I would see those people were still there, like waiting all day. And even though I recognized them as people I'd already met and already, like they already got pictures with me. They already got an autograph. Like, I didn't have anything new to offer them. I would go change my trailer and then I walk out to them and I knew as I was walking over there, they're not going to care about this because it's not, I'm not the one they wanted to meet. They've already met me, got my pictures and shit, but I felt so bad that they didn't get to meet the others that I was like, I was willing to be their consolation prize. I was like, I'll, come just try to I'll give you something like I'll give you a hug I'll come talk to you for a bit and just I just felt so bad that they weren't getting what they'd hoped um so I I just felt like I got I want to I want to try to help and that's that's what it is it's not my own ego that I'm doing it for it's not like well I just you know I just like when people I mean, it does feel nice to make people, you know, feel good at these festivals, but it's not for my own ego that I do it. It's just like, I'm like, I I don't know. I I don't know. Anyway. um, And uh, so, yeah, so it's a bummer when I can't, uh, when I can't, but 
if I pick one, then the other one, I lose the other one. You know, mm-hmm. if I attend hey. something, then I don't get to be there for peeps. And if I'm there for peeps, uh, which I think is how I'm most useful at the festival, um, then I then I don't get to attend all the fucking things I want to attend. So, I, But it's nice to keep it loose. That's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to let myself off the hook and go see something real quick. Mm-hmm. You know? So sometimes I will, I will do it. It's just, I, if I'm too rigid and I go see all the shit I want to see, then I'm not, I don't get to be there for the, for the festival attendees and volunteers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. That's probably our favorite part too, is that we get to see everybody who, you know, we just see once a year in person and, you know, we talk to over the hey, internet now. all the, yeah, the rest of the year. So yeah, it's a great festival. It's a great weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Nick, I think those are all the questions that we had for you. Thank you so Wait, much. There for was a time really good talk. revenge one. There was a good revenge one. Okay. Oh, I missed one. Okay. okay. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. Gina. Yeah. Okay. Only because I think we've had this conversation before, but we could totally have it again. Okay. So our listener, Jessica, she says, I'd love to know where he thinks the story would have gone if revenge had gotten another season and how he felt it should have ended. Oh, fucking hell. I don't, I can't even, I can't even like the, the storyline isn't fresh enough in my head that I could tell you where I would have hoped or, or I mean, where I think it would have ended up if it kept going. Um, I, I don't know that if it kept going, you could have done much else because because where they ended it, it's sort of like that's like end game stuff. That was like they put a bow on it. Basically, you'd have to undo the bow. You'd have to like have something bad happen to Jack or whatever. You know, it's like you'd have to have I don't know. Their ship crap, like I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Emily but, would have crashed uh, it. Well, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I had, um, I, I had hopes, and I'm sure tons of you know people did. I'm sure tons of writers and actors, and you know, probably some of the producers and all that stuff, like had different. Everybody has an idea of how they wish it would have gone and so I don't want to step on anyone's toes because everybody you know you're, you're you don't get to write necessarily what you what you want always you've got to write like what what you sometimes basically what you're instructed to write sometimes you know um, it's someone else somebody else's vision and and sometimes um, a studio or network will impose certain restrictions too. So I, you know, I don't want anyone to, any of the writers, anyone to feel like I um, am disrespecting all their hard work in saying this, but I did wish it had ended a little differently. Now it would have been a much different show and it would have been, I mean, it would would have been a a different ending, not much different show. I think you could have done everything they did on the show and uh and still ended it the way i i'd hoped but basically i would i wish they would have uh it's it's a long thing i did if you want to hear the full version of my of my pitch which is it's uh self-indulgent um but um there's a podcast you did right yes the the buzz after buzz after buzz yeah yes 
So listen to that episode of After Buzz, which was, I believe, the f- like after the finale, the series finale. They asked if I had any, you know, like how I, what I thought of the ending or something, and I give like a whole thing. But my brief version is, um, I think David Clark should have, when he came back, it should have turned out that he was sort of behind Emily's, um, like, like that he was using his own daughter as an instrument of his greed. And he was having her take out all the, all these people that, that he, and he falsified those journals and he, and he, and Nolan was also an instrument of his. Um, I mean, it would have been fine. Like how fucking cool would that be for Nolan to like, drop this facade that he's been playing like you learn that that's like a thing he's been playing all along and then and and it's like and and i don't know like like i know it'd be heartbreaking because it's like she's been thinking he's her friend the whole time Mm -hmm. and we could even have it turn out that it's that he he's not heartless that he's essentially the one who goes okay i'll tell you where your dad is but but then I, I kind of have to wash my hands of this thing. I'll tell you where he is because, you know, like your dad, your dad sent me to do this thing. But what he didn't count on is like, like you can't put someone in such proximity and, you know, frequent contact with someone, have them go through all this stuff with them for so long without having them care. So, right. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, it's like, uh, like basically his, his way of saying like, yeah, no, this wasn't all fake. Of course I care about you. Um, mm-hmm. but I know that I fucked you over. I know that I've been lying to you this entire time. So his redemption is giving her the location of her, of her dad. And then she tracks him down. And, and basically I would want the last half of season four to have been kill bill like she has to go after her own dad and like take him down um so anyway i just think that would have been amazing i don't know there's some shows that you're there's some shows that you just never quite get over the ending and revenge is one of them like to this day i can still have this conversation to be like listen emily was terrible jack deserved better like it's just not okay so (laughs) i think it's safe to assume that though like what the show ended in what like 2014 five years later there's no way jack and emily are still together right (laughs) i don't know i mean with with the in the world they created i think they have to be but um well in that world but I think it's, I think they created a fantasy so that everybody who had been rooting for them all along was happy. But I feel like if, if, if it had ended with a little more grit or something, then I would totally agree with you. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I just, cause I just feel like, like that was one of the, honestly, also in my pitch, for how I wish it would have ended, Jack would have died. Yeah, we like, yeah we talked about I that have, once. I would have, yeah, I would have had him. I would have basically had her dad, like, 
have to kill Jack. Um, and then, and then like her plan is essentially to go track her dad down and like take him down the way she did the others. But cause she's never killed anyone on the show, but then her dad had like basically Jack was like following some lead and like almost uncovered that it was him, that he was still around and where he was and shit. And he basically was like, I have to kill him. I have to kill him. And so he kills Jack. And that's the thing that makes her realize my dad has done all this horrible stuff and he's like destroyed my life. He's been using me. Um, and now he's taken the one thing I've been trying to protect this entire time. The only thing besides her image of her dad that represents her youth and innocence and blah, blah, blah. And he's, uh, you know, and it's like, and, 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 and so basically it like ignites this fire where she's like, I got to kill my own dad. And she has to, and like, it's the one person she has to kill. I just think that would have been fucking cool. Too bad we um, can't get a reboot of that. <laughs> I know, I know. And and the reason I wish that is because I don't think that after everything, like she, she chose revenge the whole time and then she got to have Jack as well in the end. And I'm like, no, like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I know that it puts a bow on things and it's nice, but like some, you know, sometimes the thing you want, um, is is like bad for you mm-hmm. yeah sometimes the thing that you you want to have happen is like just empty calories it's not it's it's you know and so i'm like no no, no. the other thing would have been would have tasted like shit but it would have been vitamins <laughs> that's awesome well nick now i think that's actually all the questions that we've had for you thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today we really appreciate you. yes it. thank you so much no, no, my pleasure. I'm sorry I was long-winded and boring. And no, never boring, Nick. Never boring. Yeah, not long-winded, true. Long-winded, though. <laughs> but yeah, Always yeah. fun, though. Um, so, happy yeah. early birthday, um, and we'll see you next summer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. All right, ladies, thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And yeah, that's our interview with the one and the only Nick Wexler. A huge thank you to him for giving us over an hour of his time. He's absolutely the best, and we always love talking with him. And as always, make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Mita Zamali's right across the board. You can also catch up on any past episodes that you missed at our website, meetasatmollies.com. Um, you can also follow us individually on social media. I am at BrianaK13, Gina. I am at Gina Watches TV. And uh, yeah, until next week. I don't know what we're doing next week, but you will we'll let you know on social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear from us on social media. So until then, everybody, bye. <laughs>